Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. A Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. All right, we've talked plenty of football tonight. Most of it about week 18 in the National Football League, but that's just the lead-in to the postseason there. On the collegiate side, it comes to a head, a culmination of the season with the championship game on Monday night. Here to give us his insight on that game, maybe some bowl action too, and where college football's game sits, is one of our favorite college football analysts. He's the lead football columnist for USA Today. Dan Walken joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. Dan, a man, hope you had a happy new year. Yeah, thanks. Happy new year to you as well. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on board. All right, is there any question that the two best teams in college football this year will play for the championship on Monday night? I don't think there's any question about that. You look at the way the semifinals went in the playoffs, they were pretty emphatic. I think there was wide agreement that the right four teams got into the playoff. So I think you have to just accept that these were the two best teams pretty much all year long. I, I thought that pretty much all year long, and that's the way it, it it played itself out toward the end of the season and certainly in the uh, semifinals with both teams winning rather handily. Who was more impressive to you, uh, Alabama with what they did to Cincinnati or the hand, easily handling of Michigan by Georgia? I think on that day you'd have to say Georgia looked more impressive uh, to basically just take that game from Michigan and just – from the very first snap, have total control over what they were doing. And it was really physically dominant performance by Georgia. Alabama, I think, had a little bit scratchier performance. It never really felt like they were going to lose to Cincinnati or really be in any trouble whatsoever. But I think they made more mistakes. I think they struggled a little bit more in certain areas of the game. I I, I think Georgia came out and played really, really well in that Orange Bowl, and I think they come into this championship game really should be feeling very good about uh, themselves and their chances. Is that the reason why, as of right now, Georgia is a favorite in the game? Uh, shortly after the game, it opened up with Georgia as a three-point choice. In most places, still either three, come down to two and a half in some spots. The line really hasn't moved much. I'm sure there'll be a lot of activity as we get closer to Monday night. But Georgia, a little bit of a surprising favorite to me. Alabama just beat them badly a month ago in the SEC championship game. Why do you think Georgia's the favorite? Well, I think certainly when you look at how Las Vegas sets these lines, there's certainly a statistical analytic component to it. And also part of the reason uh, those guys make money in Vegas is because they don't overreact to one result. Uh, You look at the entire body of work, and we all saw Alabama dominate that SEC championship game, but 
that was a fairly uncharacteristic performance, I think you could say, for, for both teams. Uh, Georgia played pretty poorly, didn't have a great game plan. Uh, Alabama was a little bit, uh, I, I think, in that game fortunate that in the second quarter, they got on a huge roll and, and built some separation, and there were a couple plays available to them that I don't think will necessarily be available to them on Monday night. And you have to give total credit to them for taking advantage, and, and they played, especially Bryce Young, played a just unbelievable game that day. But you look at the whole season, that was not Alabama. We saw the Alabama team we saw week in, week out. And that was not the Georgia team we saw week in and week out. And we'll see what happens on Monday night. But I, I think Vegas looks at this and says, if both teams play their best game, Georgia's the better team. With the fact that it's Alabama against Georgia, two SEC teams, does that dispense of any conversation as to what's the best conference in college football? Well, I, I don't think, if we're being honest with ourselves, that there was much debate about that anyway. Oh, I got plenty of it here on my show. I got a lot of Big Ten fan listeners, I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the middle of, of the conference and the, the bottom of the conference for any league, you can uh, – those teams are, are in the middle for a reason. They're inconsistent, and they will win or lose any given game. But at the top, you look at the – number of draft picks year in and year out, the recruiting classes year in and year out. There's no doubt that the SEC right now is on a run where at the top they, they've got by far, I think, the best teams. It doesn't mean they're always going to win or that they can't lose. We've certainly seen Clemson, Ohio State uh, in the playoff era have some success. But uh, on balance, the SEC is undoubtedly the best conference. Does this outcome, before we ever have a championship game winner, and we know which SEC is going team is going to get to hoist the trophy, does this have any effect on the conversation about expanding the playoffs that uh, picked up some momentum and then came to a screeching halt in season this year? Will this affect it in any way, uh, the championship matchup? You'd certainly think that the other conferences – Seeing the way this year played out and two SEC teams getting in, Cincinnati getting in, taking a spot from one of the power conferences, that they would want to do everything in their power to expand this playoff as quickly as possible. Because, you know, it's not good for the Pac-12 that they've only had two teams make the playoff in the last, whatever it is, eight years. Um, it's not good for the Big 12 that they missed it this year. And it's not good for the ACC that only Clemson has been in. Uh, the last several years. So I think they, it, it, it would obviously benefit all those leagues to have, if not guaranteed access to a 12 team playoff, pretty much guaranteed access, but there's a lot of other agendas and things going on right now. And um, it's complicated and it doesn't really seem like they've made the kind of progress we would all hope they would make at this point. We're talking to our buddy Dan Wolken from USA Today about the upcoming championship game between Georgia and Alabama. All right. If uh, Alabama played a game, as you kind of made the point, maybe above and beyond what they usually play, an argument could be made that they didn't play as well as they did, except for maybe Mr. Robinson in his neighborhood running the football, as they usually do when they took out Cincinnati, couldn't put them away the same way they did Georgia in the SEC championship. If they're going to get an effort between those two, 
which one do you think it's more likely closer to the Georgia SEC championship game or the win over Cincinnati in the semifinals? Look, I think the interesting thing about this game is that it's not a talent thing. Both teams have great talent, and I think you could argue that Georgia, maybe top to bottom, has the better roster. Uh, Alabama's got the better quarterback, but I think the way Georgia's recruited the last several years, they're one of the very few programs that can really just match up man for man against Alabama. I think what's great about this being a rematch is that Georgia will look back at that SEC championship game and say, we had a bad game plan here. We didn't pressure Bryce Young enough. Uh, We tried to create problems for him with just our front four, our front, you know, our, our defensive front and not really send extra guys and commit to bringing pressure. And that basically allowed him to pick that defense apart. And for Georgia to win, they know that this cannot be another game that is about Bryce Young. Uh, and if it is, then Alabama's going to win the game. If it's not, then Georgia's got a great chance. So I think the coaching matchup and the way that both teams adjust off that first meeting is going to be the thing that determines how the game is played and how the game is played is going to determine which team is, in my opinion, got the upper hand. All right. How much does John Mechie, talented wide receiver, leading wide receiver, if you go by number of receptions, second to Jason Williams, if you go uh, Jameson Williams, if you go by yards and touchdowns, how much is him being out of the game a deterrent to Alabama? Major, significant? Yeah, they'll miss him, or no, they'll just plug somebody else in because they're Alabama. Well, they'll miss him, no question. I mean, he's his experience and his Ability gives Alabama another huge weapon and a dimension on offense uh, that they would certainly wish they had. But I just don't think that's where this game is going to be determined. I think this is more of a game that is, can Georgia disrupt Bryce Young's rhythm? Uh, Can they get in his face? Can they get him on the ground? Can they force him into some bad decisions? They didn't do that the first time. And, you know, with all due respect to John Mechie, who's a great player, there's a lot of guys on that Alabama roster who can go catch balls if Bryce Young is basically in the pocket with time to eat a ham sandwich. Um, to me, that's where this game is going to be determined. And if Georgia can fix that, then you know I think that, that they're going to be in an advantageous position. Uh, and look, I mean – if they do bring pressure and commit extra guys, there will be opportunities. This Georgia secondary is not exactly you know, some great lockdown secondary. Uh, and Bryce Young can, can certainly make, make plays with his feet, extend plays, and, and try to find guys. But uh, I, I just don't see John Mechie being the, the determining factor here uh, in, in this game. All right, let's look at the quarterback on the other side. Stetson Bennett struggled pretty mightily against Alabama, including two big picks. But to say he had a bounce back against Georgia in the semifinals would be an understatement. He was tremendous. Again, chances are his performance in this game is going to end up somewhere in the middle, closer to the to the uh, maybe career game he had against Michigan or closer to the uh, unfortunate game that people talking about someone else playing going into the playoffs for Stetson Bennett. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he'll play well. I mean, he's now in his career has got a decent amount of experience and certainly made some good throws against Michigan. Obviously, this is a different deal against Alabama, and uh, he's had some issues in the the two previous meetings with Alabama where he's been the starter. Uh, I think in the SEC championship game, it, people kind of forget that Georgia got off to a really good start in that game. It was 10 nothing Georgia after the first quarter, and the second quarter was really kind of where things got away and just got a little haywire, and Georgia just couldn't really recover. Georgia does not want this game to be about up and down the field, matching scores. You know, you, you get a touchdown, and then you got to come back and respond and put together a drive. That's not the kind of game they want to play because that's really not the kind of quarterback Stetson Bennett is, but he's certainly capable of, of big plays, of, of good throws, it would certainly help if, if Pickens is a factor, is a receiver in this game. But um, certainly Stetson Bennett, you know, in this era uh, of college football, you expect elite quarterbacks to win national championships. Stetson Bennett's not necessarily an elite quarterback, but I think he's better than maybe the reputation as being, you know, this former walk-on who kind of just lucked into the job because JT Daniels got hurt early in the season. All right, last thing on the championship game, history is what it is. And not only is Nick Saban arguably the greatest uh, college coach of all time, and uh, uh, another banner would surely aid in that uh, conversation, but he has also owned any of his former disciples who have gone on to coach elsewhere. When they come in and match up with the professor, usually the students come up way short, including this year's SEC championship game. What makes this time different for not only Kirby Smart, but all the other ex-Saban assistants who can't get by him when they go mano a mano is going to be a different outcome? Well, I don't know that it will be different. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think the thing about Saban that's so dangerous in these kind of games is he's willing to take chances. He's willing to uh, roll the dice, and if things aren't working the way he wants them to work, uh, he will adjust, and you, if you remember several years ago, uh, the onside kick against Clemson when they really couldn't stop Deshaun Watson, and it worked out. They stole an extra possession, and that's what won them the game. Uh, if you remember the first time they played Georgia, 2017, the national championship game, he pulls uh, Jalen Hurts at halftime and plays to a tongue of Iloa, and that's why they win that game. So he's willing to take some chances, and I, I just think that uh, Kirby Smart in big games, uh, he, uh, he's had a reputation for maybe getting a little bit tight and playing too conservatively, and then when things start to turn on him, he takes these sort of wild chances. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it ultimately comes down to the players. Uh, we'll, we'll just see if Georgia's ready to give a tremendous performance coming off that first game where, honestly, they just didn't play that well. I got a couple other college football questions for you above and beyond the championship game. Any of the Bulls jump out at you? Either a team that looked that good with the underclassmen that uh, should be on the cusp of being in next year's conversation to make the college football playoff or an individual or uh, something that was mishandled. I know we unfortunately had a bunch of Bulls canceled because of COVID issues, but we did get a bunch in. What jumped out at you the most? Yeah, I mean, I don't take too much out of any of these games. Uh, I was really impressed with Baylor and the way they played in the Sugar Bowl. You know, I, I don't know long-term if they can win a national championship, but 
I, I think the way that they handled themselves this year, uh, Dave Aranda, the way he uh, really flipped what was a very poor first season there from him and made the necessary changes and got those guys. The way they played defense was just phenomenal, I thought, uh, all year long and, and, and great in the Sugar Bowl. Obviously, Ohio State uh, with a shorthanded roster to come from behind and, and win that crazy game against Utah. They've got a lot of guys coming back next year, and they should be, you know, once again, one of the top-ranked teams in the country. But just increasingly, I, I don't take a ton from, from the bowl games. They're, they're unique entities, and you've got so many guys out and opting out and this year with COVID. I wouldn't read too much into any of it. All right, last thing. Uh, no sooner did Michigan get handled pretty badly. I thought they might actually wait a couple of days till after the game was over and done with. But shortly thereafter, first story out that, you know, John Harbaugh, may, uh, Jim Harbaugh may consider uh, this being the time to jump into the NFL. I get it that you strike while the iron is hot. Michigan had a hell of a year by qualifying for the Final Four, but did get their tail kicked in that semifinal. Uh, him just keeping options open that there might be someone out there foolish enough to give him an Urban Meyer-type contract. Did he accomplish what he needed to at Michigan? What do you read into the story if you think there's any uh, truth to it that Harbaugh would consider moving to the NFL if the perfect job was there? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly for Harbaugh, the contract situation, uh, he took a huge pay cut, and, and, and certainly there's – traditionally you'd look at this and say, hey, maybe he's looking at some type of leverage play to move things forward on a contract. At the same time, you know, Harbaugh's a guy who everywhere he's been, there's a finite period of time where he's effective, and then he kind of wears out his welcome and, and moves on. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a huge surprise that he would look to get back in the NFL at some point. Uh, Michigan, having won the Big Ten, beaten Ohio State finally, and gotten to the playoff, you could certainly make the argument it'll be hard to match that next year and in going forward. And you know maybe this he feels like this is the peak of what he can do. He goes back to the NFL in a situation with with the Raiders as an example where. He's familiar with the franchise, with the ownership, where they've got a quarterback already, and, and you, so you don't have to rebuild at that position necessarily. I think it makes some sense, but you know, Harbaugh's just a guy who's tough to get a read on, and we'll find out, I guess, soon enough what he's going to do. Luckily for us, you are not a tough guy to get a read on. You bring it front and center, and we appreciate that every time. Dan, welcome from USA Today. Thank you much for uh, hopping aboard. Enjoy the game on Monday night. All right, thanks. My pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 